Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hi, everybody. I'm Blaine Gilmer. Welcome to this very special edition of the RBU Podcast. Got a little abbreviated edition for you here today as we have a very special guest. I'm going to bring on the 24-7 Sports national coordinator of all video that they do director of all the video host of the late kick show that is mr josh pate josh thank you so much for joining us i appreciate you having me man i got a got a little makeshift studio here got my water jug for hydration so we're good to go that's it that's it well i won't i won't keep you that long where you're gonna get dehydrated on us but uh man um speaking of uh, hydrating and stuff like that. Spring football's come and gone. Guys are guys are you know ready to work out, hit the summer, get all that kind of stuff going. But did want to touch on you know recruiting is is the lifeblood of college football, and that's what this show is all about in terms of the recruiting bulldog update, specifically for Georgia football. In that spring game, saw a lot of players that are still around from Kirby Smart's historic for the University of Georgia 2018 class. Uh, one of the things that Kirby Smart gets knocked for is the failure to develop players is what is what the knock is on him. Do you think that this 2018 class and a lot of these guys that are still around could maybe change that narrative for him in that sense? Yeah, well, they could uh, because it's ultimately results oriented. But you know as well as I do, not to be a jerk about it towards anyone, but if you were to press someone on that, if you have someone on the street, you walk up someone at Cracker Barrel, hey, buddy, how you been? Good, but man, let's talk about Georgia. Dude, Kirby can't develop folks. If you press that guy at Cracker Barrel over his biscuits, what do you mean? Break it down. Which specific characteristic is he not developing? Like, take me into the very, very granular details of this. Their head would start swimming. And so I know that's a broad generalization. Here's what it means. What it really means is, if Devontae Smith had dropped the ball on second and 26 and they would have gone to third and 26, cut the yardage in half, fourth down, Bama tries a field goal, they miss, as we all know they would have, game over, Kirby's got a national championship, none of this matters. And the point there is he's not a different coach because Smith caught the ball versus didn't catch the ball in his second year in in Athens. What it means is until this guy's won a national championship, then we're going to knock him. That's fair. Like he makes a lot of money. I'm not not claiming he's affected by that. Apparently I am because I listen to it sometimes and I say, all right, development. Like who has the market cornered on it? Firstly, secondly, because I'm not an expert on this. Apparently like some people are, I always ask when you say a guy's not developed enough, how do you know? Like from the layman's eyes, you get to see him. We get to see him normally three and a half hours on a Saturday. Maybe if you're covering the beat of the team, you get to see him at practice, but how do you know a guy's not developed as opposed to having something critical that's going on in his personal life where he's got some academic concerns. So there are like all kinds of different things happening. How do you know that the other team that beat you isn't just a little bit better than you and your players were adequately developed? It's just 
hard to beat Nick Saban or, you know, it's, it's hard to beat fill in the blank. They're going to play Dabo Swinney to start the fall this, this 2021 season. So yeah, if they were to run the table or, I mean, just win a championship this year, I don't care what the record is. All that stuff magically disappears. And the difference really in doing that and going 10 and two is a couple of bounces of ball. And it doesn't have anything to do. If you're watching that from a 50,000 foot perspective, you can't tell the difference in whether a guy was developed enough in this 10 and two season versus ultra developed in this 14 and one season and national championship ring on his finger five months later. Well, in terms of development too, I think one thing that I point out to people is Georgia's probably going to have 10 players drafted, you know, this year. Let's look at Eric Stokes, who was a three-star coming out of high school and could very well end up being a a first-round draft pick. So, example, Tay Crowder, for example, was a – and when he was at Georgia, 20 – he was a 175-pound receiver and running back turns into, you know, rookie of the year, linebacker caliber type guy for the New York Giants. So I think your development is going pretty well. I I tend to agree with you that I think it has a lot to do with that guy over in Tuscaloosa, you know, that is a historical great there. Think Um, about that. Think about if we were to, because, because you're at, you're talking about Saban there and I mentioned him and there's this big conversation, not just about Georgia, but about the whole sport. Like how do we get more parity in college football? Not brought on by me, but brought on by a lot of people. And everyone's got their formula. Some people want to expand the playoffs. Some people want to limit scholarships. But it really all, Blaine, it all boils down to this. If Nick Saban retired tomorrow, 95% of those problems would be solved. You're just, we're existing in an historic period. You got the greatest dynasty run by the greatest to ever do it. And you're not, normally, you know, when you were growing up, when you heard tales of dynasties and greatest to do this and that, it was always past tense. Those people had already existed. You're reading about it in a history book. You're watching a documentary. This one, we're in it. It's happening right now. This is what it's like when you live in a dynasty. You just, I hate to say it this way, you got to either wait it out or you got to be better than they are. And it's, like you said, it's a lot easier said than done. All right. I'm sorry for interrupting. Proceed. (laughs) No no worries. I was going to point out from that 2018 class that I'm talking about that Kirby Smart had, on the offensive side, you got Zamir White, Jamari yep. Sawyer, James Cook, Warren Erickson, and John Fitzpatrick. On defense, Adam, Erickson, Adam Anderson, Quay Walker, Channing Tindall, Devontae Wyatt, Chris Smith, Jordan Davis, and, oh, a pretty good punter in Jake Camarda. So that is a big host of players that have been around this program for a while, have been through the, the heartache have uh, of the, the close calls, have been up on Bama all three times where they played them, a lot of those guys at halftime. Uh, what, in your opinion, you know, with these with these guys and uh, the, the cast that is surrounding them, of course, a pretty good quarterback in JT Daniels who's transferred, you know, transferred in and has done some good things. What do you think is going to take ultimately for Georgia to put it all together and get over the hump there? Yeah, you keep running into the same wall. You got to knock down the wall. And so I guess the answer or the question rather that you're looking for an answer to is the tool we've been using has been good enough to crack the wall, but hadn't exactly knocked the wall down. How in the world are we about to find the tool to knock it down? Well, JT Daniels is the tool. I mean, it's not a mystery. Quarterback is the tool. And I right before we started, you know, I was cutting a video over here from my show last night and I got thinking about it more and more today. It's the first time since Kirby's been there, really. I think it's the first time that I've watched Georgia exit spring. And you're thinking to yourself, quarterback's totally set. 
our bigger question may be at defensive back. If I'm a Georgia fan, I'm looking at offensive line all of a sudden. And that's a bigger question than quarterback, relatively speaking. Okay, They don't have the offensive line concerns of like an FCS program. But um, there, there are a couple question marks there. I think that's fair to say. So that's a good sign. Okay, no, There are no perfect teams. So everyone's got this and that they're worried about coming out of spring. But finally, the quarterback position is not one. If you can guarantee health and only health of JT Daniels, we're not looking for some miracle evolution developmentally over the summer. You you see him. You see he's, he's got all the intangibles. He's got the physical tools. And he's got a grasp of the playbook because he's now been in the system one and a half, two years. It'll be two years this fall. So all that's set. And so that's what you have to have. But you see, what we figured out is you have to have all that stuff to be in the neighborhood with Alabama. Then you get in the neighborhood. Then you still got to have some things go right because they're still going to have probably an equal to or better roster than you do any given time you go up against them. And unlike Georgia, which program-wise is still kind of making this shift into adopting a new offensive philosophy, Bama, they're, they're bathing in it now. Like they dove in head first and they're like backstroking. They've never looked back. And so you're trying to do what they do better than they do it. And last year, I think ironically, even though you could look at it and say that was Saban's best team, that was the year to get them because that's the year they were weaker defensively. I think they'll be a lot better defensively this year. Maybe the trade-off is they don't quite score 50 a game. Maybe it's only like 45 a game, but that's the answer. Quarterback's the answer. You got to trade points with them. That's what it comes down to. In terms of quarterback play, you do have it nailed there that this is the first year without questions at QB1. But Mm -hmm. the – neurotic fan base that is the Georgia Bulldog fan base all the chatter has been who's going to be our QB2 and you wouldn't believe the people that are going crazy over car uh you know some people are in the Carson Beck camp some people are in Brock Vandegrift camp then they've signed Gunnar Stockton to come in in the 2022 class or he's going to come in in the 2022 class behind him I've never seen fan base get more upset about a five-star coming in in back-to-back class and I think that bulls over from the trauma that was Jake Field, uh, Jake Fromm and Justin Fields. Have you ever seen anything like this kind of hysteria that goes around these back-to-back five-star quarterbacks and stuff that comes in that, that Georgia fan base and the people? Because that's part of the lifeblood of college football, too. We talked recruiting, but it's also the fan base and the people who support college football. That's what makes it great, especially in the SEC. No, I haven't seen it at Georgia, but let me tell you what's even more crazy that you didn't even hit on there. The guy who started for him last year, we didn't even mention. And he hasn't graduated. He, he's not He's not selling insurance now. Stetson Bennett is on the roster. He's, he doesn't have a broken leg. He's healthy. And yet the guy who started the season last year, who I kid you not, I had people coming at me because I said, I don't think they can win the SEC with him. That guy has now sunk to where we just, would you rattle off three or four names? And he wasn't even one of them. So just count the blessings is what I'm asking people to do. Count the blessings because the guy that you had to start last year is this rung, this rung, this rung. It's a good quarterback. It's as good a quarterback situation as they've had. But listen, if you're talking about backup quarterback, like I think most people understand outside of crazy things like 2014 Ohio State, you've got to have your number one quarterback be healthy to win a title. No, it's, that's just the way it's got to be. We all accept that. No one goes in and says, I don't think we can win a title because um, we're not good enough at QB2. Well, QB1 is going to be the guy on the field if you're going to win a title anyway. So if you've got to play QB2, something bad has happened, and at that point you're just trying to salvage things. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So one guy that I do want to touch on as well in this class, a couple guys in this past class for the University of Georgia, you know, we talk about Kirby Smart's strength has been that recruiting. A guy that maybe necessarily wasn't highly coveted, uh, AD Adani Mitchell flashes in the spring game. Brock Bowers, a tight end out of Napa, California, that didn't even get to play a senior season because of COVID restrictions out there in California, looks great out there on the field. Um, are you do you think the game of college football and are you of the mindset of college football? The old adage I used to hear is however many freshmen you have to roll with. That's you can almost equate that to the number of losses that freshmen that you're really, really counting on. But that's kind of changed, has it not? And even I think some of your coverage of Alabama with a, a, a Jai Hall and the receiver they have kind of points to that. I mean, these big time freshmen are more ready now to play. Don't 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 they seem like infinitely? I mean, today's the high level freshmen and I'm counting quarterback too. the high level freshmen that are coming out are equal to what your rising junior used to be it's amazing there is no weakness it's not just that it's changed a little bit you can take that stuff and wad it up and just throw it out the window like that that's changed and it's been several years now since that changed um and what i think's happened is the same thing that's happened in, a, in sort of a parallel universe in the coaching world now just think about this because a lot of people listening to this especially if you're a little bit older let's say you're in your 40s 50s a lot of y'all played high school football. So some of you may have been fortunate enough to play college football. Think about what your career was. Some of you may have coached, and that's an even better example here. Think about what a, an average week was, an average month was, an average year was. And I'm talking about 70s, 80s, 90s style football. And then I want you to imagine adding digital technology into it. I'm not even talking about hydration, recovery, sports science, none of that. Okay. That stuff helps too. I'm just talking about technology. If you're a head coach, for example, uh, and, and you're old school, you know what actual film is, you know what cutting up film and splicing film, you know what that process actually entailed. But if you are, let's say, existing in the modern age, what you are able to do because of technology is expose yourself on, on any given afternoon. You can hit a few keys on a keyboard and you can expose yourself to 7,500 reps of whatever situation you want to from whatever personnel package you want to against whatever team. Think about what that does to your mind over the course of a month, over the course of six months, over the course of a year. So you look around and you say, how are all these young coaches able to have jobs like Ohio State, Georgia, Oklahoma? That's how. Because the, the steps you used to have to take and the, and the hours and, and the years you used to have to put in, you're still getting it. You're just experiencing it a different way than having to log day after day on a calendar. You have so much more access to repetition through the mind, through technology. Well, then if you're a player, it's kind of the same way. But I also think that certain positions, wide receiver and quarterback among them, and because of that defensive back, they've become more specialized. Like we don't see a lot of true freshman defensive tackles, do we? But we do see a whole lot of true freshman perimeter guys and quarterbacks. And it's because of the specialty and the nature of those positions and the way they're treated in high school now with camp circuits and whatnot, you come out of high school, not only having had better access to more coaching year round, you also have taken yourself hundreds to thousands more reps than maybe you would have had you existed in 1993. And so I think those two reasons for coaches and players are why it's not rare anymore. And it's even common to see way younger guys getting a shot and you also notice this it's like they never fail once they're given the shot 
they all run with it and succeed. It's almost like it's weird to see a young head coach or a young player put on the field in a prime spot and fail because they're so ready. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about young guys uh, in coaching, young guys playing that are being counted on early. Well, I feel that there's a lot of these guys that are in the class of 2022 for Georgia uh, that have Georgia commits, Malachi Starks, a bunch of these type players that are really, really high, highly coveted recruits. But I think where it's going to get interesting, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, this 2022 class across the board, across the country, is different than any other class in the history of recruiting because of the COVID restrictions, because we're not being able to do visits. How wild is it about to get in the 2022 class when these visits start in June? Well, it'll get wild, and it may not look a whole lot different if you're a casual follower of recruiting. Of course, if you're listening to this, you're probably pretty hardcore. It's not When I say it's not going to be different, I mean – Georgia's still going to get a lot of high-level kids, Ohio State. They're, they're going to get a lot of high-level kids. But here's what's happening. Um, I stood right here, actually, about three or four months ago and had about 15 minutes with Nick Saban. And I talked to him about this. And I asked him at the time, how had COVID impacted your evaluation process for your 2021 class? Because it was right after signing day. And I'll tell you, he opened my eyes a little bit to – an angle that I had not thought of. He said, if you think about it, we started on a lot of the kids we just signed when they were 10th graders. And then we got a full sophomore year, a full junior year of evals in on them. And if you're Alabama and you know you pretty much got your pick of who you want, you, you've identified the top level guys. You don't have to wait until they're seniors to know who the best in the country are normally. So his point was, we already had evals on a vast majority of our 2021 class and, and almost had all of them verbal committed to us before COVID really happened. However, the 2022 class, and at that time, we didn't know when things were going to open up. As it turns out, it's going to be in about a month or so, I think. He said, um, if we can't get stuff opened up now, now the junior class that will be the class of 2022, that's where we got to take a really measured approach. Because on one hand, you want to get as many as you can as early as you can. But on the second hand, I'm not about to sit here in the position. Now, he didn't say this. I'm paraphrasing. The position I'm in where I can afford to select instead of have to beg and plead. I'm not going to sit here and take kids just to take them if I don't have an eval that I trust. And for him, that's his own personal eval. So with Georgia, it's the same way. How many good evaluations do they feel like they have on guys? And also, those are the A-tier teams. Think about being on the B and C-tier. Think about how many kids could emerge this year. Because some kids, we're not just talking about a state. We're talking about nationally. Some kids didn't play football last year. Think about taking a a guy who you had an eye on as a 10th grader. I mean, think about a defensive defensive tackle who was at the time 6'2", 215 pounds, and you just know he's still in the process of growing. That kid could show up at any given point this year, just pop back on the radar at 6'5", 245, 250, 260. It, it happens. Who is this kid? <laughs> this is high school. I don't know if people have understood this, but you're, you're, you're kind of physically developing a little bit in high school. So the point is uh, it's going to be very important not just for the visits, the visits are big in-person evals. How many coaches can you get in front of how many players, whether it's on your campus or you go in to see them, like that's the important part. And that's what I'm really looking forward to over the next few months. 
Absolutely. Camps, the camps that, that 24-7, the camps that arrive at the camp that everybody does out there. Uh, going to be going to be highly important. Colleges, if they're able to bring guys in, I don't even know if that's going to be able to happen at this point. Uh, colleges being able to schedule camps. But I do think, like you said, those those in uh, in-person visits, being able to get out, maybe they'll let coaches get out and go to go to high schools once again. Who knows? Maybe the world will get back to normal a little bit. But Josh, uh, thank you so much for joining me here. I just wanted to talk a little bit about about recruiting and, and Georgia football, and I appreciate you making time to do so, sir. Absolutely, brother. Always a pleasure. All righty, guys. That's our special edition of the RBU podcast. Make sure to check out the Late Kick, which thousands of you already do. But if you don't, the Late Kick has not just Georgia, but all SEC across the country, Ohio State, all these schools, Josh is covering them nationally. So uh, thanks again, and we'll catch you next time. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30.